I mean, I feel like you have you have yourself, Joe, and you got another brother, right? Yeah, I've so got three two, two older brothers. So for me, I have one blood sister, right? If same mom, same dad. So it's me and Allison. What's up, Allison? There's no way you're listening. And then I have a stepsister from my dad's uh, marriage to Robin. They're still married. They've they've been married for I guess like close to thirty years now. And then my mom, who's on round three, she's got um, I got stepbrother Chris. Stepbrother Jeremy, stepsister. So I got six, right? Total. Twelve? Oh my gosh. Twelve, Josh. That's a big number as far as kids are concerned. Yes, that's a lot. Well, I'm telling you, she's it's a segment. One of these days you're coming. And it's gonna be more than one. You're gonna be in here a lot. I'm just saying. It, you got a, so are you twelve or is it twelve and you make thirteen? So it's twelve. 12, okay, 12 total. Could you imagine dealing with 11 siblings, right? Probably some cool no, hand-downs, close no, ones, I, right? And I'm stressed out so just by, thinking about by it. So by my math, 6, 8, so then, what, 8 of them are girls? 9 of them are girls? Is that right? 10! I have two girls, and they grind me into the ground every single day. My daughter, when I was taking her to school this morning, goes, Dad, are you going to wear those shoes? I'm like, what? They're my shoes. She's like, I think those are those are old man shoes. Like, look, no. Old man shoes? I, no, what are I'm, you wearing? Is she part of the, I mean, intern? Or that's not the role, right? It's bigger than that. Intern? Okay. we got to come up with a name. Twelve sister, our twelve sibling intern. That's pretty good. I like that. I walked in. I walked in and started telling the Richard and Sal story. And when I was like, "Oh, we got talking code here," because I don't want to end up in HR tomorrow. And here's the human resources department. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome into hour three of the Plank Show, right here on the Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Um, Gosh, I feel like we're just getting started, and it's the final hour. So, what do you say? We roll through what in hour one I considered to be the top five stories of the day, and I still think are. So here we go. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Number five. All right. So as always, hour three, and heck, why not? The top five stories of the day brought to you by good friends at Roof Tech. Roof Tech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for 30 years. Call Josh Tucker at Roof Tech for all your roofing needs, 405-703-4245. All right, big story number five for me actually came from late Monday, and it started to develop a lot of buzz, but is Tom Brady really done with the sport of football? You know, I'm just going to take things as they come. You know, I think that's... The best way to put it, you know, you never say never. You know, at the same time, I know that I'm very, I feel very good about my decision. So I don't know how it feels six months from now. Change, it most likely won't. You know, I try to make the best possible decision I can in the moment, which I did this last week. And again, I think it's not looking to, you know, reverse course. I'm definitely not looking to do that. In the same time, I think you have to be realistic that you never know what what, what challenges there are going to be in life. And I love playing. I'm looking forward to doing things other than playing. That's as honest as I can be with you there, Jim. Mm. Mm. So there is a lot of ins and outs 
there. But it doesn't sound – now, again, I'm just preparing you for probably what you're going to hear nonstop today about the Super Bowl conversation, which I actually have a segment, big story number two, for the countdown to the Super Bowl. But, Josh, um, kind of seemed like Brady somewhat left the door open whenever he said, hey, I don't know what the conversation is going to be you know, a couple months from now or a year from now. I don't think he's a guy that's going to take a year off and then come back, right? Uh, no, I wouldn't imagine so. But maybe this tale isn't quite done as we approach the season. I, I think he's done. I think he's, I think he's comfortable with retiring. I think this is what his family wants, which is the biggest maybe puzzle piece here. I don't, I don't know that Brady physically feels that he has to be done. Right? He's coming off a season where he led the league in passing. Bunch of touchdown passes, one year removed from the Super Bowl win the year before that. He knows he can still go out and do this thing. But though the physical portion of it isn't a problem, I do think the family side of, hey, we're ready for you to be done playing football. I think that pull is too strong. And though he's not completely closing the door here, I I don't think there's much of a crack, man. Me neither. Me neither. Um, I don't either. So, with that said, we stick with the NFL for three of our top five stories of the day. With big story number four. Number four. Number four. So, you did have two coaches. Number. Oh, now now our guy won't stop. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. So, um, I'm making an adjustment on the fly because I want to do some softball talk in big story number two since we're on the road tomorrow. Um, I'm going to do some head coach introduction and some Super Bowl talk here. Is that cool? We good? All right, let's do it. Yesterday, Lovey Smith was inter- the University of Tulsa alum. Lovey Smith is the new head coach of the Houston Texans. And he talked about the hiring practices and how the Texans are trying to make a change. I, I see Pep Hamilton right here, and I see his color, and he's going to be calling plays for us. And maybe it's, it's – it's about getting guys in a position for, for people to see exactly who they are and what they can do. I understand the problem, and I know the Houston Texans are doing something about it to make it better. Now, the best part of this press conference is Nick Casario, the GM of the Texans, was asked specifically about Brian Flores. This process in and of itself is very fluid and we have we got a fire but don't use the elevators so when they start talking about brian flores a fire alarm goes off in the facility yeah that's unfortunate timing Meanwhile, Dennis Allen was introduced as the new head coach of the Nolan Saints. I think it's the most important decision that Selecting you make. Selecting a quarterback. That's going to be one of the first things that we do is, is we get together as a, as a staff, as an organization, and evaluate that position. And then we'll make the best decision for this organization that we think is, is the right thing for us moving forward. I, I think they're going to draft a rookie and try to build around him. That's me. But, I, hey, Dennis Allen was in the middle of an interesting rookie deal. During his second season with the Raiders, they went out and they got Matt Schaub. And everyone thought Matt Schaub was going to be the starting quarterback for the Raiders. 
and they drafted Derek Carr in the second round. And then in the third, actually it was the second season, in his third playoff, in his third exhibition game or the fourth exhibition game, he went out and lit up the Seattle Seahawks. Lit them up. I mean, it's probably still the best quarter of football Derek Carr has ever played. <laughs> the fourth <laughs> exhibition game of his rookie season. And at that point, Dennis Allen's just on the sidelines. And he knows, right? He knows, I'm doomed. I'm, I'm going to have to start this rookie, and we're not going to win any games, so I'm fired. But you just see the smile on his face. He's like, well, he's the best quarterback we got. So he went with the rookie. I think the Raiders were like 0-10 at one point that year. And he got fired midseason. But it's it's a call you had to make. I think for the betterment of the future of the Raiders at that point, I don't think they were going anywhere with Matt Schaub. But he'll be, I think, stuck with that again, depending on what the Saints do in the draft. And at the Super Bowl, obviously a lot of talk about Cooper Cut, uh, Cup and Jamar Chase. Chris Collinsworth will be on the call. He played in the Super Bowls with the Bengals. He was asked about both. First, Cooper Cup. I think Cooper Cup is severely underrated, which is incredible to say <laughs> as a guy who won the triple crown of receiving. And I would argue that you have to add a fourth component as well. And that's what he's done blocking. I mean, he's not that big a guy, you know, I mean, he, but he blocks like he's a 240 pound tight end. He's one of the most impressive guys that I've seen. It's one thing that I won't lie to you, Josh, I've learned so much about that I never knew coming into this this game, the importance of receivers blocking ability. It, you're not playing if you don't block, period. So that was good. Now how about Jamar Chase, Chris Collinsworth? I think Jamar Chase is already the best receiver the Bengals have ever had, and that's saying something because I watched Isaac Curtis. He was a teammate of mine. Chad Ochocinco had a phenomenal run in his career, but I've never seen anybody do what Jamar Chase has been doing. I mean, catching five-yard passes and not even getting touched. Forget about they couldn't tackle him. They couldn't even win one-hand touch against the guy and going 70 yards for huge plays against Kansas City and against Baltimore when they needed it most. So there's a lot of fun on this Bengals offense. Hmm. All right. Good stuff. I've got the best already. I think that's a it's getting a little bit a little bit of a leap, but I get what he's saying. I mean, Jamar Chase is he's really good. <laughs> pretty incredible. Meanwhile, um gosh, I got so much from the Super Bowl. Let's just table some of that. I got Barry Sanders talking about Joe Mixon. Uh, Eric Dickerson on what the Rams need to do. Got a little bit of Charles Woodson talking about the future of the Packers and some Cameron Jordan on the retirement of Sean Payton. So we'll get to that after the break. But first, big story number three. Number three. We saw Buddy Heald got traded, so that's our big NBA story. Buddy is now a member of the Indiana Pacers. But last night in college basketball, Purdue pulls away from Illinois in the second half. Stefanovic's chest pass left wing caught by Jaden Ivey. He wants to dribble drive. Goes to the elbow, rises, and fires, and scores yet again. (laughs) Yet again is uh, a very kind way to put that. Purdue wins 84-68, outscoring Illinois in the second half, 48-30. Ivy finished with 26 points. I watched the second half, and it was one of those, the Simpsons meme, stop it, he's already dead, leave him alone. I saw there was a little bit of something between Underwood and Painter at the end of the game, but I didn't think it was any. It was hostile. I hate it when TV networks 
you see a coach where he's talking to the other coach. I, I didn't know. And, and they pan away from it real quick. It's like, stay on there. What's going on? Uh, Purdue, very much in line for a one seed right now, as is still Illinois if Kofi Coburn can stay healthy. Meanwhile, um, wild finish kind of between Kentucky and South Carolina. Brooks comes up the side. It's bumped. No call. Throws it up to Shebway. And he could have had an easy dunk, but the buzzer sounded before Oscar could. But it finishes up a Kentucky 10-point win. The Wildcats 86, South Carolina 76. So Oscar Shebway finishes with 18 points and 14 boards. The West Virginia transfer has been amazing. But here is where that final dunk, which doesn't sound as dramatic on the call as it was. That's a 10-point game, 86-76. No one is near Sheboy. He can walk in and dunk it, but pulls it back. The spread was 11. If he throws down that dunk, Kentucky covers the spread, which was 11, 11 and a half in some places. He decides Oof. not only, and here's what's funny, is he decides not to, but then at the last second is like, oh, no one's around me. I'm going to go dunk it, and throws down a dunk after the buzzer had gone off. <laughs> so if, so he did choose to dunk it, but right. after the final horn, wow. So, yeah, if you had taken Kentucky minus the 11 or 11 and a half, you're not a big Oscar Sheboy fan. This probably morning. not, no. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other good college basketball from last night involved the number one going down. Note crosses Kessler over, tries to feed Williams underneath, reverse layup, good. That tied the game, forced overtime. Here we go, 10 seconds. Green into the front court, launches a deep three. Off the iron, no good. Williams with a rebound. Outlet to Devo. It is over. Down goes Auburn. The number one team in the country is defeated. And they are rushing the court at Bud Walton Arena. They are rushing the floor <laughs> at Bud Walton Arena. You're not going to keep them <laughs> off the floor tonight. Arkansas has knocked off the number one ranked team in the land. 80 to 76. I, can I have one little complaint? You may. You're not going to keep them off the floor tonight. That is a little bit of mirroring the Auburn thing. They're not going to keep them off the field tonight after the kick six. So that's pro- that's a little play-by-play dork in me. But you see Eric Musselman, they'd ripped his shirt off, and he's like crowd surfing with his shirt off to try to get back to the <laughs> locker room. First time the number one team had been at Bud Walton Arena. I didn't know that. Ever. Ever. Now, I'm sure if you went back in Arkansas history when they played at the old barn, uh, they had to be, right? But Bud Walton Arena, number one team, never played there before. And Arkansas beats Auburn, which might mean we have a new number one come Monday, but we'll see. In the Big 12, TCU beats Oklahoma State 77-73. West Virginia gets a much-needed win to break its, what, seven-game skid? West Virginia beats Iowa State 79-63. All right, big story number two. Number two. Which, as many of you know, is big story number one in my heart. Patty Gasso met with the media yesterday, Oklahoma, getting set for a trip to Irvine, California. And I guess technically the first stop is Santa Barbara. They'll take on UCSB tomorrow afternoon, and then uh, what everyone's anticipating, the OU-UCLA game on Saturday night, which will be in Irvine. Uh, We'll have all the games for you on the Sooner Radio Network 
Man, I got tons of audio here that I want to share, and we'll do so after the break because big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. I really didn't do a good job, by the way, on that schedule. Let me, let me, let's try the schedule for Sooner Softball again in three, two, one. So here's what it looks like this weekend for the Oklahoma Sooner Softball team. Tomorrow, 4.30 with the first pitch in Santa Barbara against UC Santa Barbara. Friday evening, 5.45 first pitch against Loyola Marymount, followed by an 8.30 game against Mississippi State. Then on Saturday, one game at 6 o'clock against UCLA. And then Sunday, one game against UC San Diego at 1 o'clock Central Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's and there you have it. Um, Your thoughts on tonight. Big one for Oklahoma Sooner basketball. Kind of sliding to the wrong side of the bubble right now. Uh, Texas Tech has been playing very well. They're 18-5 and five overall in the season. Terrence Shannon's been good to go since he's back in the lineup. Uh, a team that's... A team that's a really good defensive basketball team. I heard Jeff Haxton talking about it earlier. They pack the box. They force you to make outside shots. And unfortunately, Josh, that's something that Oklahoma hasn't been able to do with consistency, which is knock down the the three-point shot. I mean, I, I was speaking of Arkansas, and Toby had mentioned it this morning, so I went back and looked. You know, I, That was a game against Arkansas where Oklahoma as a team was 13 of 22 from beyond the three-point line. I don't know if they've been close to that since. No, not as a team. A collective shooting effort like that? No, I haven't seen one. It's a team that's currently shooting 32% from beyond the three-point line. Uh, I know that's – listen, that's not terrible uh, in comparison. You know, Texas Tech is – top 10 team, and they only shoot 32% from beyond the three-point line. But it just it doesn't seem like they're knocking it down in big moments to open up defense. Moji Gibson hitting a few would be big. I don't know if Jordan Goldwire can knock down a few to help us out. But I just I feel like it's such Parkless. a – EJ, it's such a captain obvious statement. And I, I talked about how I would be a terrible basketball coach. But, I mean, if I'm sitting there and – I'm a coach, and I go to the post game like, oh, we got to hit more shots. How do you feel by the way your team played? Well, we just didn't hit shots. And if Oklahoma hit some shots, scary basketball team from beyond the three-point arc. But, Josh, they haven't been able to consistently do it. Yeah, they're going to have to defend and rebound yeah, really that. well tonight, I think is. I mean, obviously, you you would like to shoot it better. you got to get Mo Gibson going from behind the three-point line, typically – He's better inside the Lloyd Noble Center. Right. That's not uncommon for shooters to shoot better at home. Probably if if you could see a C.J. Noland or a Cortez, one of these extra pieces, if they can step in and combined pitch in a, a couple of trifectas would be gigantic for Oklahoma in this game. But the, the thing for them, man, they, they've got to be great defensively, rebounding, cannot give Texas Tech extra possessions. And Tanner Groves got to do what he did the last time out. Got to be that uh, primary scorer for Oklahoma. Uh, um, preach, absolutely, 100% right. I almost said first pitch. You can tell where my mind is. Opening tip tonight is set for 8 p.m. So get your nap in. 8 o'clock, LNC should be rocking. 
tough, tough stretch coming up for the Sooners. Tech tonight, Kansas on Saturday. We're talking some softball next on the Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the ref. <laughs> Just the trolling will not stop from Colin Coward here, will it? And, and I'm part of the problem. Like he sent out a uh, he sent a tweet a couple moments ago uh, about what's his name Caleb Williams being on Good Morning America, and her tweeted at Oklahoma he appeared on the local AM radio show Party Marty and the Firecracker eating Frank in the morning, which doesn't even make any sense. And I tweet I'm like, well, in all fairness, his, his coach didn't let him talk to the media, but please troll on. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna sit here and be like, oh, see, look how much better that I am than Oklahoma. It's just, I, what what good does that serve? You have affiliates here. And you're basically essing all over OU. I don't get it. And Oklahoma. But here's the thing that sucks, too. I, I'm a, you know what? I don't like the way that sounds. I'm going to make this sound funnier. I'm going to hire my writers to, to, to write something for me. Here's, here's what I hate about things like this. Can I, can I give my complaint real quick? Yes. Is people like... People like Feinbaum. Oh, I took the tweet down, Bo. I, I, I've, I've got to find something funnier. <laughs> Bo's, Bo's all fired. It was like, yeah! Bo Benson, my producer at uh, LA. Um, here's what I would say. Here's what I hate about this kind of stuff. Like with the Feinbaum and the cowards. We'll trip over ourselves to be on the show when they ask. Right? And I just wish we'd be like... Now we're good. We got plenty. And, and I just, that's my biggest frustration is they'll sit there and they'll say, I mean, that's a crappy thing to say. That's just trolling. But I just, I don't understand it. You're, you were once a nobody in Portland who got a break and got on an ESPN show. Of anyone, you should be welcoming of an opportunity for a guy that might be here working a morning show with Frank or whatever. I mean, I just don't get it. To have somebody like Caleb Williams on the show and what it could do for their careers, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's basically, basically by that statement said, the ref stinks, all these other radio right. stations and TV stations in Oklahoma, they're little league, I'm big league, you know, whatever. What were you thinking? Um what were you thinking as a response to that? To Cowherd's tweet yeah. right right there? Right. Oh, just exactly what I just said, that basically you come to USC, all of a sudden you get to go on all the big shows, and you're a big deal. But if you're at Oklahoma, you, you, you go on local radio, and who cares about that? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, whatever, dude. <laughs> I mean – which is not true, by the way, either. It, you know what was uh, – somebody made this point yesterday, I, and I apologize for not giving proper credit here, and maybe several of you have made this point. Colin Cowherd is the same guy who for years has trashed Baker Mayfield and made yeah. him a punching bag, and now Lincoln Riley goes to USC, and he, he's just just jumping out. Jumping out of the airplane as soon as he can to uh, get on the show with Colin Cowherd. I mean, don't you find that, like, fascinating? Here, can, I, can I point this out, too? Here's the thing that sucks, too, about something like this is you say that. Uh, you know what? What's my MO? 
just ignore it. Who cares? That's what I'm going to go with. I'm ignoring it. You know what? I'm taking the I'm taking the tweet down. I'm ignoring it. Because he wants to be able to go on his radio show and say, oh, Oklahoma fans are all over me for this tweet, but they got to understand. Blah, blah. Just ignore it. Yeah. No, he wants that reaction so he can play right. off of it for his show. Um, anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's stupid, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's funny because, I mean, it, I do a national radio show from Oklahoma every Sunday night on Fox Sports Radio. I do a national radio show most Friday nights from here at Fox Sports Radio. There's people that are 10,000 times better than me that do morning shows. Just because you want to label them as country bumpkins, I think that's one of the most arrogant, a-holish things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not even being – I you could say that about uh, – a, a person who didn't leave for USC. I just I think so many times people forget that. Yeah, this these are people that support you, <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're going to do everything you can to try to push them away. I'm, I've given this too much attention. Well, h- how about this for just as a for instance, Brent Venables not yet hired. You get the call from which radio station to appear as a guest. What's that? Which radio station did you go on as a guest? And the tweet went viral about... Oh, yeah, CBS Sports. CBS Sports. Thank you. Where? Zach Gelk's show or something like that. What city? Where was it? Um, I don't know. Like, was it New York? Or was where was he? I don't even know where it was. Okay, well, that... Houston. Houston, I think, is where it was. Okay, well, I guess Houston would fit Colin Cowherd's level of importance. Right. Right? Right. But... Um. You don't think you don't think that Brent Venables, the news that you said, shocked some uh, shocked some folks and got some engagements and likes. Right, that was Oklahoma. Right, absolutely. But again, to me, to me, it's it's like one of two things. Number one, you let it go, man. Oklahoma fans are just living so rent free right now in Colin Coward's head. But then the other part of it is kind of an a whole thing. Really, not kind of it is. But that's what I guess you're supposed to do, right? I guess that's supposed to be the thing. And now everyone is gaga before a player or a team even stepped on the field. I mean, gosh, that just – that makes me mad. That's a shot at everyone because – Anybody that's not Colin Cowherd. Right, exactly. It's the – Party Marty and – it's not – that's not even funny. I mean, that's not – no, you have writers. You have a staff of, like, 50 people doing show prep for you. And Party Marty? And the fi- – that's not even funny. That makes no sense. Let me give you a 10. That would be funnier. Jeez. All right. Uh, let me get back to my happy place. That's Very so lame. Um, a couple of things that really stood out to me. Number one, Patty Gasso is very happy with where her pitchers are right now. And even in talking to Jada Coleman the other day, there seems to be a little bit of uh, we need to get to this season, right? Because some of the frustration. Here's a little bit of Coach Casso from her meeting with the media yesterday. Personally, as a coach, I'm always feeling like uh, we're just not prepared completely. Are we ready? Are we not? Did we do everything and that's just the coach and me. These guys are ready to play. They're anxious to get on the field. They're anxious to face a different pitching staff. They're anxious to pitch to different hitters. I mean, um, 
we've covered about everything I can think of. So they're excited. We're excited to get started. So as you might imagine, there will still be I's to dot and T's to cross, but Oklahoma feeling pretty good about things right now. Okay. Uh, we got a break. I didn't realize it was already 1136. When we come back on the Plank Show, we're going to dive all into the news, according to Josh, right here on the ref. As always, you can hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439, or on Twitter, at Josh on Ref at Plank Show. This is the home of Sooner fans. I just Listen, if you want to say Oklahoma fans are gaslit, yeah, sure, of course they are. They're so mad. But just to continue to tweak them and take shots, never understand that. And pretend like they're not important. They obviously are to you. Welcome back to Hour 3 of the Party Marty and Fire right. Cracker Eating Frank Show. I don't even... <laughs> so dumb. I uh... This is also the guy who claimed that he ate an entire tray of weed brownies at a party and didn't know what they were. Because you know what I do when I'm at a party? I just start eating brownies uh, that are just sitting out on the table, too. So And Colin Cowherd, who you know is just 1000% the guy that's oh well, I can't I oh, can't have a second dish yeah, you know I can't have another one of these um all right well we got a lot to get You're to on this straight show. to my hips I uh Caleb Williams was on Good Morning America talking about I, I don't know what some nail polish is that what it was some new deal that he had I'm not even kidding I'm not being a smart aleck is that what T, uh TJ said or was he just on there because I don't know it's I think like Bowie? fingernail stickers or something Dang. faculty is the brand I I, I I don't know what it is. Well, that is his second, though, NIL deal in addition to the Beats by Dre deal. Um, oh, all right. We got a little interesting coaching news. Be raking news? Uh, kind of, but let's hit the news, according to Josh, shall we? Because it is that time for the news, according to Josh. It's time for the news, according to Josh. People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. I like to eat ice cream, and I really enjoy a nice pair of slacks. Years later, a doctor will tell me that I have an IQ of 48. All the news that matters to us. What you're about to see is a Channel 4 News exclusive. His name is Nutty the Squirrel, and he's three years old. How about that? (laughs) That squirrel can water ski. And hopefully, it matters to you. Now, with the news, here's Josh Helmer. Wait, wait, I did have to laugh. Uh, at Hoops Mix Only tweeted a picture of Carmelo Anthony and John Cena. It says Carmelo and John, uh, Carmelo Anthony and John Cena in 2005 says this pick is cold. Uh, Carmelo retweeted it and said, I only see me, though. John Cena, you can't see me kind of thing. So I, that, that got me a laugh. And then this, uh, Brian Harson has returned from an overseas vacation. Um, I don't think he was over there recruiting or anything of that nature. But there is some buzz building that maybe, just maybe, this could be the final day with Harson as the head coach of No Auburn. kidding. Auburn coach Brian Harson returned stateside for vacation today. SEC head coaches are scheduled to meet Thursday in Birmingham. Mm. I can't help but wonder if he's going to be a part of that or not. Oh, by the way, the Rutgers-Nebraska game in October was moved to Friday night. The game will take place on October 7th, and I think that's two weeks before the Oklahoma-Nebraska game next year. All right, where do you want to start, Josh? I mean, no way that they 
fire Harson without having cause, right? What am I saying? Uh, OU and Nebraska are in September. Um, I don't know where I got October in my head, but uh, yeah, September 18th for OU Nebraska. They've, I think he's gone. I really do. I think he's... But I'm saying that they they must feel they have cause oh, to fire him at Auburn. Absolutely. Because I don't think they make this move. And what, Isn't he due $40 million? I don't think they can fire him unless it is for cause. So they've obviously, I think they've been turning over rocks. They've been digging every way they possibly can. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, we shall wait and see if, in fact, that happens. Caleb Williams, Good Morning America. Here was uh, part of his appearance. Um, they, they reacted uh, kind of how I expected them to. Um, I, I, I appreciate um, all the OU fans. I love all the OU fans, um, all the love and support that they have given me um, throughout the season when I wasn't playing, um, before I got there, and then after um, I was playing. Um, kind of, you know, they'll always be in my heart. Good, good answer. Good answer, right? I mean, do you expect – what did she think? He's like, great. Oh, man, they're so supportive. I'm leaving them after, you know, sticking around for a bowl game and going to – it's been great. I mean – We already heard that answer, though, on the Party Marty and Frank show. That's right. We already heard that. <laughs> All right, where do you want to go next? So this isn't necessarily news, but I just wanted to share it because I wrote on it last night. And I thought some of these numbers you might find interesting, Plank. Oklahoma, according to Bill Connolly's returning production rankings, right, number 71 nationally. For Oklahoma? For Oklahoma. Out of all 131 FBS teams. Okay, so listen to. That's not good. <laughs> li- listen to how he sets up his criteria. Okay. Percent of returning wide receiver and tight end receiving yards equates to 37%. Of the overall offensive number. Are you with me so far? Okay, I, I, yes, yes. So far, so good. Percent of returning quarterback passing yards equals 29%. Oh, he has zero of that. Now, he does factor in transfers. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. But we'll get to that here in a second. Percent of returning offensive line snaps, which I didn't dig into because it sounded like too much work last night at Sounds midnight. Like a lot of work. Equals 28%. Okay. Percent of returning running back rushing yards, 6%. Okay, so that's how offense works, and defense is similar. Probably don't need to spend the time going through all of that. Right. But for Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel, though his numbers get factored into the passing yards. He's hurt. Yeah, he was hurt, and he only played three games. <laughs> so, of course, that's not going to look great for Oklahoma. Yeah. The hmm. wide receivers and tight ends for Oklahoma, OU's replacing, even after factoring in Daniel Parker Jr., the Missouri tight end transfer, OU's replacing 49.7% of its receiving yards from last season. You look just strictly at the running back position, 69.2% of the rushing yards, of course, from Kennedy Brooks. Uh, Oklahoma was really high defensively, which I found interesting. They were, I want to say, they returned 81% of its production, according to Connolly's metrics that he used. (laughs) But just, this is really the part I wanted to share with you, Plank. Go ahead. So, the formula defensively, 59% of returning tackles, 28% of returning passes defeated, 8% returning TFLs, 5% returning sacks. How does he come up with this per, these numbers? I, I have no okay. idea, but whatever. That's the criteria. That's how it's done. <laughs> this is where it gets wonky when you factor in Oklahoma's defensive transfers. Uh-huh. 
So as a team, OU last year, 902 tackles, 97 tackles for loss, 33 sacks, 24 passes defended. That would be – that would mean Oklahoma's replacing – 40.3% of its tackles, 53 TFLs, 65% sacks, and 33% of its passes defended. All of those numbers go down after you factor in the defensive transfers in returning production. Wow. That's interesting. Um, so, don't get too worried about it? or Here is my takeaway. Right? You can't really even think about this returning production number or any of it because how how can you sit there and factor in, well, C.J. Colden and Trey Morrison didn't play for Oklahoma. They yeah. combined for 14 pass breakups. OU had 24 as a team right. last mean, season. That's wild. That's wild. Ugh. All right, where do you want to go next, Josh? We're – we're out of oh, time. We have to take a final TL. Okay, uh, final TL. We got some final thoughts on Texas Tech and Oklahoma tonight inside the LNC. Again, 8 o'clock tip a little later, and some news on some potential injuries for Tech. We got it next. All right, so here's the injury note. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Plank Show today on the ref. Uh, Steelman's fired up. I mean, he is. he's pacing. He's ready to go. Yep, part, Party Marty and Frank waiting in the wings. Um. Moments ago on Twitter, John Rothstein tweeted, because I just assumed everything was good to go with Ter- Terrence Shannon, but he said, Tex Shannon, Terrence, T- uh, <clears throat> let's take the second take in three, two, Texas Tech's Terrence Shannon Jr. with a knee injury and Adonis Arms and upper body injury are both game time decisions for today's game against Oklahoma Parade School spokesman. Both went through practices all week long okay cool so they're playing yeah i was just gonna say seems seems as if that would be kind of obvious and then my man uh blaine brown tweeted us out we're talking about the number of oklahoma players that are going to the combine at 11 which is the second most in college football i guess you could say georgia won at 14 they're tied with alabama for 11 that list includes brian osmoe gabe burkich nick benito kennedy brooks jeremiah hall I don't know why I try to call him Jalen Hall. Jeremiah Hall, Quentin Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, Isaiah Thomas, DeLaren Turner-Yell, Perion Winfrey, Mike Woods. Blaine points out that for comparison's sake, OU had six players in 2021 at the Combine, four in 2020, eight in 2019, and six in 2018. He adds... There's a reason OU fans are so mad at Riley, the feeling that he wasted a bunch of NFL talent. Well, let's see how these dudes pan out in the combine, right? Looks like, you know, I tend to be someone that gives Perion a little bit more credit for taking his preparation to the next level and realize he was on the cusp of his biggest job interview and making the most of it at the Senior Bowl. But as Teddy said, you know, don't go out buying a Rolls Royce yet. You still got work to do. And the combine will be a great opportunity for Perry on Winfrey. I will say, two guys that I think are going to come out of the combine as rock stars, Nick Benito and Brian Osimo. I really do. What makes you say that? I think I think both are going to run a time that's going to have the um, late, great Al Davis a drooling. I think Osimo is going to put a fast time. I think Benito is going to put a fast time. Did I just say Benita? Who am I, Neil Brown, Nick Benita? 
<laughs> I think Benito's going to put up a fast time. I think they've got a chance to, to really, as the kids would say, make some hay at the combine in a couple of weeks. So. That would be good. Would love to see that. That's a fair point, Blaine. We can mesh through that a little bit more as the weeks roll on. But, hey, tomorrow I'll be with the OU softball team. We're going to be in – where are we? In Santa Ana, California tomorrow. Getting set for the showdown with UCSB at Santa Barbara. Say hey to Lincoln and Caleb for us. I will. I'm actually supposed to catch up with Lincoln while I'm out there. So we'll see how it goes. Everyone have a great Rest. I'm kidding, by the way. Everyone have a great rest of your Wednesday. Steel Man and Thune at noon are next. Our show never stops on Twitter at Josh on Ref. I'm at Plank Show, and everybody should be following us at Sports Talk 1400. This is the home of Sooner fans.